Can you imagine this female body is like a puzzle pieces in the, the whole puzzle of all creation. And so we are not separate. We are so interconnected and we share the same like individual, but like very same experience with just unique, unique taste of it. And I love when you said that you feel this darkness of the, just before the, the period starts, because it is the existential grief because basically what blood and menstruation uh, when it happens is the shedding right the shedding of the of the uh, of the life that was preparing to have life possibly but then it didn't happen so the blood is like death and rebirth each 28 or 30 days and so this darkness as you say the soil this existential and grief and sadness and everything that gives birth to new creations not necessarily the baby a human being but any creations in life welcome to long live podcast i'm your host asa trichikoskaita i'm here to remind you the power of your mind and that you are the creator of your life and your story We'll talk about all things mind, body and soul and the connection between our inner dialogue, our thoughts and how it affects our bodies. I'll share my best advice, lessons and mindset shifts so you could stop overthinking and find peace of mind. In today's conversation, I talk with Yurata Benzute. She's women's embodiment coach and she has been practicing and teaching about how body, emotions and thoughts are our inner guides and how to listen and understand these messages. She's a guide guiding people to reconnect with themselves and to feel at home in their body. We have covered amazing topics in this conversation, talking about the cycles that women go through and also how to just be more in your body and connected to your body. Because the paradox is that we are living in our heads so much that we forget to live in our bodies. It's a conversation that can really be felt because we share themes that are really dear to my heart and Yurata's heart. And I think you as a listener will gain a lot of wisdom and you will enjoy this conversation a lot. So let's jump right into it. Hello Yurata, I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you for coming. Hello, Isra. It's, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting. You know, after our last conversation, I was bubbling with so many good insights that you shared. And one thing that got me thinking, ironically, but you said that we don't live, but we think about living. And yeah, ironically, it got me thinking, but... Could you tell me more about that? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, doing uh, uh, some embodied practices like movement as well as coaching that they do with women. And also for my own life, I understood how much life we are living through thoughts, images and stories about life. So, I mean, it's no wonder because our brain is the predictive, the organ, the, the machine that predicts the future, what's, what's lurking around the corner to, to keep us alive. 
So we make a lot of meanings about everything. Like for example, now I look at the flower and I don't really experience the flower, but I already say in my mind, oh, this flower is green. This flower is so beautiful. This flower is so huge. So basically I'm not experiencing, I'm not in connection, uh, in communion with this flower or whatever it might be a person as well. Rather, I am thinking about it. And you know, it's so um, default moment. I mean, we are so used to that because during the last hundreds of years, the intellect, intelligence, uh, also IQ that came um, on stage, right? That we evaluated how smart a person is. We focused a lot on the mind, which means we focused a lot of, on the thinking mind, right? Because what mind is doing is always thinking. And it took us more and more from really living, meaning experiencing life, which includes also emotions, body sensations, feeling very present and aware here and now in this moment versus thinking about the past and the future. So this is what I wanted to say when yeah, previously we connected that so much of our days goes through thinking versus really feeling that we are living even when we're washing our dishes as a very ordinary example how many of us are really present most of us are thinking what are we going to do for dinner what are we going to do later so basically the next moment and it's all in our head it's not it's not like a really full lived experience mm. yeah and it feels as you said that we, as a society, we give so much attention to the mind as it's like the main driving force. And it is in a way, but it's becoming harder and harder to just be in our bodies and to just feel our sensations, what you are talking about and what you are concentrating on. And as you said, just by looking at the flower, how do you think you can experience the flower or experience and feel the moment more? Oh, it's such a beautiful question. And uh, the, the paradox that I cannot even describe it in our very linear language, which is our words that we put in a very beautiful sentence. It's really a practice experiencing um, ourselves and the flower tree and another human being is a practice of being very aware which means aware about my thoughts aware about my feelings really locating myself in here and now as an example uh, just to make it more practical like now we are communicating and when people meet each other friends or colleagues or parents kids how much are we really listening and being present in what's being revealed in front of us, meaning experiencing that person versus us being in our mind and thinking already the answer to what person is saying? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's practice and it's really difficult to describe how to experience anything. So being really aware uh, looking at the thing or a person without making a meaning about it, without defining it, but which actually our mind goes immediately. It's nanosecond when our mind names the thing, labels the thing, and associates with something that we know already. So 
uncoupling that and it's a practice so we have to actually do in, in in tiny moments and then we start experiencing this aliveness which is a whole life process so it's really really difficult to describe that in words but it's just when you do that exploration in practice in real life yeah as you said like it happens so quickly that we are kind of not even having a conversation with another person but we are immediately going to assumptions when we think that other person is trying to express or tell us and we are less in the energy of just being with a person because I remember the last time we shared that even just experiencing the energy of another person you can already like change if you are receptive to it and if you are open to it to take it and to share right and you know yeah actually I experienced when we shared that last time and one of my most um, I would say transformational teachers was uh, a woman who never gave answers yeah so for example you go to her retreat or training and uh, you know since every one of us is a seeker of some kind so we want clarity we want certainty we want uh, some knowledge and some new information and answers to uh, some you know existential or more ordinary questions so when i was in her retreat and i gave her some question and her answer was what do you think i don't know she said like i don't know it actually triggered me so much at that point. That was years ago. I mean, I was thinking, but you're a teacher. I am asking you, you know, I'm seeking. And kind of I was expecting the answer. Well, she kept this complete presence for me and posing the question back at me, respecting my own inner sovereignty that really the answers are within. So this is which for me was an example of true listening and being present, meaning that she didn't pretend that she knows better than myself. Rather, she was listening to me, mirroring me back, giving the question back to me. And up till now, I remember this, this, this situation because it really changed something within me in attuned listening, being there for another person versus, as you said yourself, we have assumptions, expectations, and prejudices about the person. And the interesting thing is that we never see that person and you. We think that we know this person, especially that happens in the relationship. I know you. And, you know, uh, which is actually so far from true when you really tap into that pulsing aliveness. None of us is, is the same in each single moment. Actually, we are already different. Uh, eight minutes past, we started speaking. So this awareness and being present really allows for this, you know, magic actually to, to step into the any kind of relationship whether that's with a human being or any form of life for that matter the flower the the pet uh, the stone uh, I don't know anything really I love the story because it really as you said like it triggered you and I think when I need an answer or somebody needs and seeks an answer and you like desperately want to hear it and you can't get it from the outside. It's like, 
at least I it feels like it's unfair, you know? Like, how come you can't tell me? <laughs> yeah, it is so true. It is so good to have that reflection back, to turn back to yourself and to listen to yourself because it is one of the hardest things to do. And I think that's how we learn to listen to others then. First and foremost, as you said, to, to listen to your inner guidance. Right. And, you know, we just live in the system, very hierarchical system. And um, so we've been taught for generations to listen to authority. It's not that we have to rebel the authority, but in a way we gave our power, how much cliche it sounds, but it's completely true. We look at the doctors, we look at the government, we look at the teachers, gurus, whatever you want to, you know, the authority and we look at them as if tell me what to do tell me what my life purpose is tell me how to find the clarity within myself but the thing is that that's why we loop in this endless you know hamster loops and this wheel because literally there is no one and nothing outside of myself who can give me the answer? Literally, no one and nothing. So I can definitely be supported by, I can be witnessed by, I can be heard by, but you know, the answers are within. So coming back to that authority point that, yeah, for generations we've been looking to someone outside of ourselves to find ourselves, and it just simply doesn't work this way. So now the times are so precious and beautiful because there is more and more invitation and actually urgency, more and more urgency to really come back home ourselves, which includes mind and body and spirit and energy, everything. And I think that that listening to yourself, where I find the tricky part, is that as you say, the authorities, the external voices, they seem to be louder telling us what to do and giving suggestions. And I think the tricky part is when me or anybody else is trying to listen to themselves. And I asked this question uh, the previous time you as well, like how did you hear the inner guidance? And it is quiet, it is very subtle. And I think that's where we sometimes slip because we kind of think that we can't hear it and we can't find the clarity within us. What would you say? Yeah, it's so true. The inner voice is very silent and uh... It doesn't repeat itself many times, not as a social media or press or uh, any other external noise that we have. Uh, but it is actually a process and it is inner work. I know that we all, um, at least for the last, I think, up to five, eight years, we got very much into that moment of give me 10 steps to become happy. Give me, please, eight steps to self-fulfillment. 
give me the answer how to find my life purpose or the job I want to do or the relationship I want to attract. So there was this moment of manifestation, law of attraction, and all those beautiful things, I mean, that we need as a collective to move through. But the truth, I, I, as at least I found it. And again, when I say the truth, it's just my truth for me, what I found. And it, if it resonates with any of the listeners of this podcast, it's, it's perfectly fine. Whatever not, just let it be. Because it's, it's, it's my truth as I find to be true today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is really a big work. This listening to ourselves with this intuition or the sixth sense or the higher self, whatever people call it, it's big work to do, meaning getting into emotional maturity or emotional intelligence. So really getting to know ourselves, our beliefs, our cultural, familial, our school um, inhibitions and beliefs that we still carry in our body and our mind, which actually induce a lot of fear and a lot of uh, fear to show up, fear to follow our desire or what makes our heart sing and so on and so forth. So one part is really working with our emotional maturity. So getting to know those beliefs. Another one is coming back home to the body. Uh, I know know you know because you move a lot as well. How many of us are really disconnecting from our bodies? And as I wrote on my my, um, Instagram one day that it might even sound outrageous. How can I be disconnected from my body if I live in my body? Uh, It kind of sounds like, are you crazy? What are you saying here? But... I really see how we run from our bodies, how we crawl out of our skin, how we try not to be, but we are very active in our minds. That's true. So all this anxiety and panic and worry and concern, confusion. So this is second point, coming back to our body. And it's, again, there are different tools to help ourselves to do that. And then, you know, so the third point is connecting to this deeper essence in ourselves. So whether it's divine or divine feminine or God or the source. And all of those require practice, basically daily practice, moment to moment practice. It becomes like a lifelong path. It might sound like a work to do, like, you know, oh, this is another duty. I don't have time for this one. Uh, so I would say that the first first day, the beginning might be, might feel like a work. And it is true. It's not glamorous. It's not only unicorn and clouds. Uh, but then it becomes just that you cannot not do it because that's basically the foundation, becomes foundation of your life. You know? Mm. Yeah, I like how you started that. In our society, we have now 10 steps to something as if the answer is like very like close by and reached in a very fast way. And it is usually with like spiritual work and mind-body connection. It's a never-ending work, as you said. It is a practice. (laughs) Yeah. How, how did you, like you shared a little bit of your story before with me, but how did you find this interest in people 
and thoughts because I read that post that you wrote and I, I was like really fascinated by it because I think that yeah it is it's it's hard to grasp on it that we are not in our bodies because it seems that as we are functioning through the day all that we do is living in our body but we are mostly living in our minds and how did you became interested in observing thoughts and other human beings and yeah how did it came to your life uh, yeah as, as i talked with you previously i would like to have this very splashy story you know that it was boom this moment and the thunderstorm came in and i just opened my eyes and uh, but it was not. Uh, now, actually, looking backwards, I see a lot of um, synchronicities happening or coincidences, you know. And um, so a few points, I guess, now looking backwards. When I was a very small girl still, I don't know, at my seven, nine years old, I loved to spend time with a very elder lady. She was around 80-something, 90 years old, the grandma. She was not my, my biological grandmother, but she was living uh, in the same house where we were. And so half of the day I was spending with her, listening to her stories, and then half of the day playing with the kids. And I noticed that none of the kids, they were very bored sitting with the old lady and listening to her. Kind of, you know, this understandable small kid's uh, attitude. And when I trace that back, it's uh, it seems that there was really a thread in my life that I was interested in a human being and uh, the life pulsating through us and how it can express in a very creative ways. So you can call it human potential, you can call it, and also the questions, why do we suffer so much? Because I, I saw a lot of unhappiness around me as well, like families being unhappy, and just people in general, as if not living fully. And that fully for me expresses in being alive, being radiant, being completely, embracing all of your emotions and the totality of the life that flows through you versus boxing yourself in some limits and beliefs. So this is the way that they go. This is the way that they do. Full stop. So I was interested in human from the early, early age. And um, I remember myself also um, being in a relationship, long-term relationship years back and uh, was 20, I was 20 plus and uh, I was looking through the window one evening and the thought came to my mind because the relationship itself was not very happy and I was thinking is that is that it's life is that all about life like now we are together and uh, not really happy but kind of staying together so you know all those small points which always brought bigger questions about life why we are here why are we so unhappy or why are we so happy? What is happiness? Is there a life purpose? Um, when we get old, why we feel so purposeless and that life doesn't have any meaning? So those followed me through my life. And then 
you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I had really beautiful teachers on my life who came to be my boss, for example, at work. She was interested in Buddhism. Um, so I got interested in Eastern philosophy as well. And then step by step, like different moments in life coincided that I started reading a lot, so going to workshops, trainings, and so on and so forth, and really being with myself alone in solitude and uh, reflecting a lot. And so that's how it all appeared to, you know, brought me to Koya, this movement brought me to coaching. Uh, yeah, it's basically this awe of a human being and fascination with what is to be alive, but it doesn't really mean to be alive. And what would you say it is and means for you to be fully alive? <laughs> oh, that's, I think, you know, a conversation for, for three months or so. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think to be alive, it's really... Um, uh, definitely it's not a goal or destination that now I did this or I, I acquired that or now I learned this. So here we go. Now I'm alive and now I'm alive, alive, alive. I love uh, the description of Esther, Esther Perel. Uh, she says that some people are not dead and some people are alive. And this aliveness, she, she makes a distinction like... Uh, some people are living, meaning they're not dead. But there is no aliveness to them. And this aliveness is um, being fascinated by, you know, the fact that they open my eyes in the morning, being fascinated that I am different each single day. And this is, by the way, not a philosophical idea. It's really cellular feeling. So it's very embodied physical feeling. Because our cells are changing each single, or not each single moment, most probably, but they are renewing themselves, the same as tissues, the same as blood and, and oxygen and so on and so forth. So we are literally, physically, not the same people each, each single minute or hour. So really tapping into that full humanity, embracing my thoughts, my emotions, my physicality, and at the same time, connecting to the deeper essence of myself, which is uh, divine life, God, source manifesting through me and through each single one of us. And then it becomes this dance, so human with the beliefs, thoughts, knowledge, emotions, life experiences, and this this calm inner core of uh, the soul, of the spirit, of the divine within. So I think it's always unfolding, it's always waving, it's cyclical. But the more I'm, I'm able to connect with that, what I described, the more I feel alive. Uh, you mentioned that you did a lot of reflection. Would you say that reflecting back on what you experienced throughout the day or life week uh, is important for you to connect with that essence? You know, I would say, 
It's a very interesting point, and I can guess that for many, for some people, because we are so individual, it might really help to kind of come back and reflect on what was happening. For me, it's rather at the moment I'm really trying to stay as aware as possible of myself in the location that I am through the day, which means that now I am talking with you. But I feel my body a lot. I feel my seat on the ground because I'm sitting on the ground. I move if I need. So I'm not very stuck and basically away from my body. So for me, connecting with my essence is being aware as much as possible during my day versus then reflecting back of uh, what has happened or how I was, for example. But it shifts. I would say that the majority of time, I'm not reflecting that much backwards, yet I am trying to be more, more aware of uh, my body, my thoughts, my emotions during the day and during the activity when I do it. And that's probably where the movement and dance practice comes into, because I also very love dance and I think I I always loved it but for some time I had forgotten it that it is such a good practice to come back to my body and to pay attention at where I am and how I'm moving and this is actually what you also do you work with the feminine dance movement and I think it is very beautiful to to pay attention to the feminine energy because we have that feminine and masculine inside of all of us and how do you think how, how do you awaken that femininity in 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 the in women in all of us how can we go about our days and just remind ourselves of, of that subtle femininity that we have inside ourselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a very beautiful question. And femininity has been now on the rise for the last couple of years and all goddesses and priestess and uh, moon circles and so on and so forth. And as you say, feminine and masculine is not gender related. Uh, that all of us have those qualities inside of ourselves. And um, for me, femininity is very receptive. It's receiving. So it's kind of... Um, fierce but soft energy it's not forcing it's not pushing it's not trying to beat your head on the wall versus pausing and um, seeing really in awareness what is in front of you versus versus what you want to be so it's more receptive, it's softer, and it's very inward energy, right? It's, it's the night, the dark, the moist, the earth, the soil, the yin, uh, in the symbolic meaning of it. And uh, 
I found that the mind can be very young, very masculine, right? It can be very sharp, very judgmental, opinionated. There are lots of prejudices. I mean, I want him to do this way or she is not doing that way. So it's very forceful, very pushy energy. And again, when we have mature piece of the masculine, I mean, the, the brain and the mind is one of the biggest gifts that we have, as well as mind is the body. It's in the body, the nervous system, and the nerves literally physically go in the body. So it's not, uh, it's not separate. Mind-body is one of this beautiful ecosystem of ours. So femininity, softness, receptivity, and you know, seeing the reality the way it is versus then running away from the reality in imaginary or some astral traveling or getting completely sucked in, in our beliefs and uh, control mode. It's that beautiful calm peace space where we can receive, relax, and um, and soften. And it would be very one-sided if I didn't mention that the feminine is not only sweetness, niceness, good girl. Uh, it's far, far away from it. Far away from it. It's a completely different thing. Because feminine can be very fierce. Feminine can be very destructive in a way, in a needed way. Let's say if you look at the Indian traditions, there is goddess Kali, right, who destructs this or destroys that what doesn't serve us anymore. So the feminine is the, the wholeness of, of, of many, many things, many, many qualities there. So I think some of the circles portray feminine as being very pinkish, very um, submissive, very, uh, and it's, it's the smallest piece of the truth, but feminine really represents. I really like how you, when, you described the feminine, you had like a different tone and energy in the way that you talk. And then when you shift to the masculine, it was like so different because yeah, I think these energies are very distinctive. And how I noticed, as you said, that in our, in our days, in our system, we very much value the mind, which is more of the masculine. And it caught me thinking really recently, actually, because I was really looking into the feminine and masculine energies and how they play together. And I was just sitting for myself and thinking, is this true that we learn to value the masculine, the doing, the producing more than the energy that is creating it, the feminine that like, provided with the energy to create it and I was like thinking about this thought that the life is not about accumulating more but about becoming more and I was like yeah but do we as a collective like get it because it seems that we are still like in that doing and surviving and getting mode which is great, but if it's without the balance, without the feminine, without 
being in the energy and as you said taking life as it is it's it's not full we're just living like one-sided life in a way and as you said feminine can also be very fierce and i remember we were talking about how women can be as tigers and that's a very feminine force to protect your children and to protect your cubs and it can be such a powerful energy and for example i have looked in, in a beauty in a very different way recently because i always thought that you know beauty yeah it's, it's nice but it's like very superstitious and then it was my mom who said to me yeah but look you're admiring nature how beautiful and vast it is and you're not experiencing it through your eyes you're kind of like oh, feeling it through your body and i was like yeah that's what like femininity is it is that energy and driving force in a way <laughs> does mm. that make, yeah does it make sense how i described it <laughs> Oh, actually, a lot this way, and that you said about this beauty, which is such a, especially in the times that we are living now, which are so filled with overwhelming information and tragic events happening globally. Beauty is big medicine, and being able to. So, thank you for mentioning that, and uh, yeah, being this receptive feminine side, you can receive beauty. You can um, savor beauty. You can luxuriate in that beauty. Like really be um, nourished by the beauty. And I think the interesting point that you mentioned about beauty, that before you were kind of skeptical about it being superficial, this is a very good point because sometimes if you look at our how system describes beauty you know there were like cosmopolitan journals and so on especially for the female women women body you know so still are very penetrated and saturated what beauty means especially about the women feminine from that very patriarchal or uh, men's point of view which means this is beautiful woman this is not beautiful woman and we as women actually we carry this burden a lot uh, going from you know cosmetic beauty industries um, plastic surgeries and in general being very um, in fight with our own bodies like looking at our body as as an enemy and, and looking to find what is wrong with our bodies versus to really, and coming back as we talked previous, what does it mean to feel alive is when I feel so at home in my body. And it doesn't matter if uh, someone would tell to me, Yurata, your legs doesn't look so beautiful because this beauty again is like what is dictated to be considered this beauty. But you know, it wouldn't be pleasant for me to hear. Nonetheless, I savor and I love my body so much and I feel so at home in my body. That really doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't internalize, let's say, as an example, any external comment about how I should look versus I feel 
how, how do I want to look? But not through the lens of how society wants to see me versus what feels good to my body. But in order to filter out and to understand, to filter out all this external noise, how feminine should look like, how beautiful women should look like, how graceful women should look like. And it always comes to this good girl, good woman syndrome, right? So to filter out this, I really need to come back to my body. So, you know, just circling back from where we started, when I live in my mind only, in my thoughts, in my intellectual piece of myself, which is a very significant but small part of me, and when I don't come back home to my body, I assure you, I will have really problems how my body looks like. I will judge myself. I will criticize myself. I would not want to look in the mirror because this or this or that part doesn't look good anymore. Or You know what I mean? So this really getting to know ourselves intimately. So to understand what cultural beliefs, what family beliefs we're carrying about our body, ourselves, being very aware about those daily, and then falling in love with ourselves. It is such a process. It's not a one finger click thing. It's not five steps to loving your body. It's day-to-day committed practice for our life. It sounded so juicy to fall in love with your body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like how you said, I feel how do I want to look? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your what is your practice to to feel into your body, to go into your body? Is it dance or is it more than that? You know, it cycles. Mm. Definitely the most direct path to feeling the body is some kind of movement. But not so much structured. That's why I love when you write about your movement practice, like unstructured. Uh, When we allow ourselves kind of um, to move how it feels, but it also, I want to say here that it needs practice. So it's not easy from day one, especially if you haven't done this movement before to drop into that sensation. Oh, how my body wants to move. It's not, it's not from the first practice. Again, it needs, you know, a few sessions, it needs commitment to that, to really get to listen to our body because through generations, again, we've been conditioned out of listening to our body. So there is no trust in our body anymore. So we more listen to our thoughts, our stories versus to the language of our body. And our body does speak. It's not just philosophical, some airy-fairy sentence. Our body speaks all the time. It's just we need to rebuild this trust and to hone the skill of listening again. So to answer your question, movement definitely is the most direct way. But you know what? Also, knowledge about nervous system states. Let's say when I am in um, fight or flight mode, my nervous system, when I'm in freeze, or like resignation, collapse, paralyzed feeling. 
when I'm more in phoning or fitting in, when I want to please, when I want to be nice girl mode. So also this education about my nervous system state grounded me a lot in my body because it, it kind of went like, wow, ah, okay. That's why I behave sometimes the way I behave. That's why I react the way I react. So education about nervous system was crucial for me as well as embracing my emotions, which is an ongoing process, by the way. And then movement. So Koya has been for me a true medicine and not to be in a cheesy way, but it was and it still is one of the biggest medicines. And see, before our call, I feel an excitement and nervousness because it's such a beautiful, uh, I mean, it's just a beautiful uh time to be together so what i did i just put two songs and i moved i don't know if you can call it a dance in the stereotypical uh, dance thing but i moved so my body those sensations of excitement and, and anxiousness that i felt in my belly in my stomach i allowed them to move me mm. Yeah, I can agree so much with you. As you said, that we we need to relearn how to listen to our bodies first because we are so much driven to be guided by the mind. And this practice of, yeah, as you said, you don't even need to call it a dance. It's, it's a movement, but just to allow yourself to listen to the body it's a practice, it takes time because at first it seems that, oh, you need to know the steps or you need to know what you're doing. And then when you can listen, actually listen to your body, it really knows. And I think that a lot of dissonance is creating, created from our mind not being able to communicate with the body because so many times our body knows what to do and knows when it's right or as you said we are like in different states and our body is expressing it but we don't want to listen or we don't know how to listen and we're just like trying to push through it instead of just being as submerged submerging in it and understanding it and letting it be and another thing as we are talking about women at the moment you know uh, you mentioned cycles and uh, i think it's such a beautiful thing and it has been kind of erased that we live in cycles and especially as women we feel that there are seasons of life that are different and there are different cycles for women and i think that is what really separates us and I think we forgot about it what do you think oh yeah it's it's such a juicy topic you're mentioning and just thank you for bringing it into this field as well I totally I totally resonate that uh, we forgot we are now it just you know feels for me that we are now in this remembrance really really remembrance moment of lifetime and it's a very precious time to be alive 
it doesn't mean that it's again puffy and pinkish it can be very painful and and you know all of it this this is life this is the beauty the juiciness of life and yes the cycles we definitely are remembering as women what does it mean to live in those lunar or 28 day cycle or 30 days a cycle which firstly as you say is connected with the most probably the cycle of our moon cycle or period menstrual cycle and then in menopause as well it's going the same even you know uh, the menstrual cycle doesn't happen but those 28 lunar cycle days they are still moving through us so and it's not only a spiritual energetic conversation because literally as a living in female body, we have the hormonal shift throughout 28 days. So as a very anecdotal example, for example, I, I know exactly when my period will start, the night I feel so lonely and, and so, you know, I feel so sad, I want to cry and I feel that I am the only person on this life and there is no one around me, even my beloved husband is, is nearby, you know? So I, I really happen to recognize, wow, you know, it's so our body, it's so amazing as a female body. And then, um, you know, so I learned to take uh, space and time to go inward the first cycle of my days. I, I really kind of started flowing as an ocean wave with those 28 day cycle and it really changes the quality of life. And I guess it also happened the more I really came back to my body and started to really feeling my body as my home. So the cycle also kind of came more into my awareness because it wasn't just the concept, the conversation that's happening online. It was really my lived experience. So I started tracking and tracing and seeing how I feel, what quality I carry into the world basically each day when my cycle waves during those 28 days or 30 days. That's actually so beautiful what you shared about feeling lonely mm. where it begins because I can so much relate with that. And for a very, very long time, I really, I was always like very active and I was into sports. And in a way I was like, oh no, you know, I have the cycle and I always like try to be as productive and do as much as I can because I just like didn't like that it comes mm. and at some point in my life I was like oh my gosh these are the days where I can allow myself to just be taken care of and like yeah and it shifted so much to me but yeah I also have that experience that like before it comes I have that like feeling that it's like it's it's not even it is loneliness but it's like it's so so interesting it's so dark as you said it's probably that dark femininity that moon cycle yeah it's it's really that and I think before I have never listened to it I didn't allow myself to listen to it because I felt like you know, I have to be like productive and the same each day. And yeah, now I'm 
as you said, I'm looking into myself more because I'm the ocean of all the waves, of all the death, and it's changing. I can't imagine how beautiful it is, how interconnected we are. Can you imagine this female body is like a puzzle pieces in the, the whole puzzle of all creation. And so we are not separate. We are so interconnected and we share the same like individual, but like very same experience with just unique, unique taste of it. And I love when you said that you feel this darkness of the, just before the, the period starts, because it is the existential grief because basically what blood and menstruation uh, when it happens is the shedding right the shedding of the of the uh, of the life that was preparing to have life possibly but then it didn't happen so the blood is like death and rebirth each 28 or 30 days and so this darkness as you say the soil this existential and grief and sadness and everything that gives birth to new creations not necessarily the baby a human being but any creations in life and you know when you mentioned that it's also so i feel so blessed because my partner is very um open and curious about uh, about the cyclical nature of, of me and he honors that a lot so let's say on the first day and second day first day mainly of my cycle he totally knows that I need to stay more in bed on the sofa, reading, writing. And even because we have, uh, thanks, thanks, you know, this, this blessing. Let's see, we order food the first evening, so I'm not preparing. So basically, I'm really in that cocoon of nourishing and nurturing myself. And so with this being said, I want to mention that it's so important that partners and men and masculine also comes into the picture. So it's not only women to be the cyclical. Men are cyclical in a lesser extent because they don't have this hormonal shift during the month as we do. Yet this awareness of men and willingness to participate, it's new parad paradigm, if you wish, new consciousness of um, not being so separated, you and me, me and him versus uh, how can we meet each other not necessarily merge but how can we meet each other and co-create this nourishing space for both of us to be and to thrive yeah and i think what i heard here a lot from people what they seek in the in the relationships is to be held by one another and i think this is why we need in ourselves to allow ourselves to hold our emotions and just to be with them and I think what you are describing it is so beautiful that the masculine can hold the feminine and just allow her to be in that being and I think it's yeah it's the most beautiful thing that connection that we can get yeah, and, and you know what I noticed from my experience and from my relationship experience, because relationship so far is really the most transformational teacher for me in this life. Um, 
definitely like intimate private relationship being the strongest force but other relationship for that matter even it can be with nature or with animal um that until we really don't come back or at least start the process of coming back home to ourselves by knowing our emotions, our thoughts, our beliefs, the culture we grew up in, like acknowledging all of that versus running away from it, hiding away from it or brushing it under the carpet. The more we really start relearning or remembering the language of our body. And as you said so beautifully, the body speaks all of the time. We just learned very well in very masculine type of world to override those signals. So the more we come back to our body and then connect with that deeper essence of ourselves, which is really peace and calm and, and this limitless space, uh, the more we can meet another person in the same, because then there is um, not so much projection, expectation, uh, not so much prejudices about how this other person must be, must behave, must say. We can really meet that person in, uh, in their own beingness. And this is a very powerful place to be, I think. And we are all urged to go towards that self-work, more inward work. So we can co-create something different than we have in the world at the moment, which is quite sad at the moment. Yeah, I think as you were describing it, that when you we learn to meet myself as I am now, it's easier to meet another person as he is. And just allow them to evolve as we are allowing ourselves to evolve and change. Because I think, as you said, when we started this conversation, we were different. And now as we shared some thoughts, shared some energy, we are leaving this conversation with a little bit different insights, a little bit different energy. Because I really, really believe that we change throughout co-creation and coexistence. And yeah, I think that I create you and you create me. So thank you once again so, so much. It was my biggest pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> I would love to even extend more this conversation. Uh, thank you, Rata. Uh, let the listeners know where they can contact you and, and find you online. Thank you, Aisve, for this opportunity. It's, um, as you say, I always feel so much changed in uh, co-creating this, this field of uh, being transformed and allowing myself, again, coming to that feminine quality of receptivity, opening and allowing myself to be changed in reciprocity and uh, coexisting with you and with your listeners at this moment because this field is very felt so the space is not void we really fill it in with our and fill it up with our energy and our openness of our hearts and curiosity and our minds so thank you and um, uh, where can people find me I am more active on Instagram I have a Facebook account as well but I'm more active on Instagram and in Instagram it's uh, 
by my name, it's quite difficult. Uh, it's Yurate Benjute. Uh, Don't worry, I will put it in the show notes. Perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah, because it would be a, a big thing to spell it out. And uh, I have a website as well, which is my name as well, yuratebenjute.com. Uh, and yeah, I love, uh, I, I do Koya, which is feminine uh, body movement sessions. I do them online, I do them in private and in groups. Uh, I also do one on one coaching for women. But basically, to find me are those main uh, paths, which is Instagram or through my website. Thank you so much once again. And it was my pleasure to talk with you and have this conversation. Thank you so much, Isi. And thank you, everyone who spared your precious time, precious hour in listening. I hope some pieces at least resonated or uh, brought some sites of remembrance for yourself. Thank you.